Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, and welcome, people, to episode 196 of Dude and a Monkey. I am one of your co-hosts, Mark Foster, and as ever, I am joined by... Ian Loring, hello. Hello. Uh, we have a, a, a normal, standard show uh, to bring you this, this week. Not, we've not got a show we're going to cover shitloads of films um, of one particular series, or we've not got our end-of-year show, or a blah, 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 blah. We've got just a normal... One review, um, some what we've been watching, which we can catch up on a few bits. Uh, and I think we, I don't think we might have some questions. Uh, we'll chat some trailers and we'll chat some sort of other filmy news bits and anything like that. But it's a, our regular formatted show, which is quite quite unique. We've had a bit of a, a hectic few months, which always happens around this time of year um, to go through. But yeah, it's nice to get to get back into the, the standardised flow of things. Yeah, I think that last normal show that we did was Passengers. And that feels yeah, was like forever ago yeah that was nearly two months ago i think now yeah because we because we did um playing it forward after that as well which incidentally yeah. we have penciled in a date for the next playing it forward yes um, so that we're going to record it oscars weekend yeah um oscarbation i i like i'd still like to try and do something um i i need to talk to donna about that but I think if you're going to watch the whole thing, I'll at least pop up for a couple of hours and we could maybe record something then. Yeah, well, I'm, gonna watch, I'm, I'm gonna watch. Yeah, I'm gonna try and watch the whole the whole thing. And I, I mean, I am I am then in work in the morning, but I'm gonna I'm, I'm on an early, so I'm gonna leave early and then come home and sleep. Yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm kind of thinking if I sleep a few hours beforehand, and if Donna's all right with going into work a bit later, I can sleep a few hours after, and then maybe I'll get away with it. But I've got to look after Lottie the the, the, the day after, and I need to be awake because otherwise she's going to drive me insane. <laughs> so it, it is it is a little bit like that, to be honest. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly work some out. We'll certainly bring you some form of Oscar uh, coverage, and it's it's coming up quick, uh, is what we'll say on that. Is it the BAFTAs is that tonight, or is it yeah, tomorrow yeah, night? Yeah, the BAFTAs uh, is tonight. tonight. Yeah, the BAFTAs is tonight. Um, BBC BAFTA doing tonight, their usual the... thing of fucking showing it after the BAFTAs have actually been on, um, <sighs> and and editing the speeches and stuff like that as well. Like that's the thing. It's like with that kind of thing. It's like I wanna I wanna watch it. Like to contribute almost to like to contribute to the viewing figures because I'll watch it. We we're, we're cord cutters here, so I what like everything I watch through iPlayer. So yeah. it like they'll log me as a watch on iPlayer. I know they will, and I kind of want to support that because I think film gets a pretty rough ride on BBC as it is. So because it, it, because they rally against it, that's why they, they, they don't make it easy. I think I think they they actively. Don't know. I am not. I am not a bash the BBC. I think the BBC does does some fantastic work. Uh, however, I do feel that that when they drop the ball, they drop it massively. Sling it on BBC Four. BBC Four is that still a thing? Straight up, yeah, it is. Whole yeah. thing on BBC, BBC Four. Four do yeah. highlights on BBC One. Done. Yeah. That's, that's all it. you have to do. You know it, that that's. It's ridiculous. You could even stream the whole. Even if you don't want to put it on an actual channel, stream the whole thing. Yeah. On BBC iPlayer, uh, BBC Three, which I think is just iPlayer only now, isn't yeah, it? it is, there yeah. you go, BBC fucking Three or BBC Arts, whatever you want to fucking call it. There you go, stream the whole BAFTAs live. I it, mean, that's the. I mean, say in, in, want... unless there's some kind of rights issue that they're not that, that they've they've got to take out. 
unless there's something like because is it still brought to you by Orange? Is the BAFTA still brought to you by Orange? Yeah, it's the or EE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, unless it's something to do with that, where they've got to they've got to take out all that bit where they say BAFTA's brought to you by EE. Unless it's something like that because of advertising bullshit, which you know it, it is is plausible that it could be. Um, then you know even that you could do that on a on a five minute delay. But the, the world's moved too the world moves too quickly nowadays in terms of media for you to be able to stream something ten minutes afterwards like they used to do with the Brit Awards. You know, in 1997, streaming the Brit, you know, putting the Brit Awards on 15 minutes after it actually happened, you couldn't find out who fucking won on your fucking phone. It's, yeah. it's it's silly. It's just just silly. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, say what you want about Sky. You know if Sky had the rights, they'd do the whole thing. Yeah. And that's the thing, is it, it shows, it kind of, it almost, in a weird way, because BAFTA have been so belligerent about it and keeping on BBC, they want to keep it free to access. Uh, it, it kind of, it's a little bit uh, damaging the brand by association. Because if they showed it, on Sky, Sky would make a bigger deal of it. They wouldn't maybe make the same deal they do of the Oscars, but they wouldn't do it. It would probably won't be far off. There'd definitely be somebody presenting it. Uh, they'd have a panel there, and it would be a night. They, they dedicate a night to it. Whereas the BBC, it's kind of like they shoehorn it in. They go, oh fucking up, fucking Bafta sign, shit. Yeah, yeah. We'll do it, do it like that. Yeah, we'll sign it out. Yeah, I th- I, that sounds pretty fucking right, actually. Uh, yeah. Um, sorry, yeah, <laughs> I don't have I, any more to add to that. <laughs> well, it, has, there, has there been anything in the wonderful world of film that's, that's happened this week that we should uh, that we need to discuss or anything? I don't know whether anything's happened this week. Well, has there? well um, the new Halloween film. Oh, of course, yes, yeah. This is this this is really fucking interesting, actually. <laughs> yeah. So David Gordon Green, who was attached to the Suspiria uh, Suspiria remake for ages yeah. um, before Luca. Gwag- the Oni, or whatever his name is, the guy who did a bigger splash. Um, he's now doing that. Um, uh, I think, I which think kind of feels kind of feels right. I think that, that you've got a an international filmmaker doing Suspiria. Yeah, uh, I mean, for I some reason, it just sits nicer. Til- Tilda Swinton in a Suspiria remake is just it, that is so spot on. And Dakota Johnson, funnily enough, um, yeah, taking on the lead role. So yeah, that's going to be interesting. But yeah, um, so he was attached to that to it for ages, then kind of dropped off it, and. Um, they they've been saying a, 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 when they a, announced this new Halloween like project to be produced by Joseph Blum and um, with um, Carpenter involved in more of a sense than give me the check um, yeah. than he than he usually is. Um, they announced that you know that there was they were talking to directors and stuff and Mike Flanagan um, was being strongly signposted, but they were also saying maybe um, Adam Wingard and. Um, uh, Simon Barrett were, were right, yeah. maybe gonna maybe gonna do it. Um, you know, I, I I'm assuming their Blair Witch experience has probably scared them off it. Um, I, I would say that's more likely scared Jason Bloom off it. Yeah, or or, or that. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think the three of them between them might have actually had a conversation and gone. Do you know what? After the way that that went, maybe it's not a good idea that we touch this. You've been good to us. We've been good to you. Let's not fuck up that relationship by fucking this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. And they're making other stuff. It's not like it's not like it's going to damage their career not making it. 
No, 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 quite. I mean, Adam Wingard's got the Death Note remake, which is a Netflix original, which yeah. um, it, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in. And then they're both doing the... Um, I think I think they're still on the I Saw the Devil remake, which, uh, yeah. yeah, we'll yeah. That goes. Did you see Simon Barrett's uh, tweet from the John Wick premiere? Uh, yeah, I did remind me, but I know, I know, I know the, you tweeted he, it, didn't you? Yeah, he tweeted saying that his highlight of the John Wick premiere was the, you know, not just the film, but Gary Busey Gary shout, <laughs> shouting, hey Utah, <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fantastic. Um, fuck, oh, John Wick 2 next week, yes. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, um, so, yeah, David Gordon Green. Um, that's a really interesting choice. Um, you know, fucking fascinated by this. He, he's a fascinating um, director because he, you know, he does. He's done things like Pineapple Express and um, Your Highness, but he's also done things like uh, The Real Girls, um, and even I think the the sitter, as stupid it is, has actually got an awful lot going on I under like the. the I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the series. It's, it's got a, a really, a really great soundtrack, and there's there's some there's some sort of depth there. You know, the, the conversation that um, Johnny Hill has with Max Records about him being gay. Mm. You put that in a different a different style of movie. That that scene he's spoken about as like a a scene for our times. I think. Um, and both of them play it really well. It's it, I I I have a, a deep fondness for for the sitter, but it's also incredibly stupid as well. At the same time, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of it. And it's a you know fuck it, it's an interesting idea. And the, the fact that you've got um, Danny McBride, Danny McBride, yeah, that Brian on to write kind of feels like ah, do you know what? Yeah. I can see that. I can see him being able to co-write a straight-up Halloween because the guy loves movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, across Stanley McBride, he's going to be well. He's in Alien Covenant as well. You know, it, it, it's good on him. He's showing he's not just redneck comedy relief. Um, yeah, it's because it, 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 you do look at him. He is he's a very funny actor. He's got a very good shtick and everything like that. But you definitely could see him having this kind of second career as coming out with something and people going, do you know what? He's a really fucking good actor. Mm, yeah, no, quite. And I mean, the thing is, they'll get a good cast now. You know, they're, they're, yeah. Blum being involved already had me intrigued. Carpenter being involved had me hopeful. This just adds to the, I would like to see this now, please. Factor of, of the yeah, whole thing. and Carpenter uh, also stating that there's a possibility he might be doing the score as well, yeah, doing yeah. some of the score. That's yeah. really interesting. No, I mean that that that's it. The fact that he is actually right. Okay, I'm gonna somewhat give a shit about this, and I mean I think the whole what happened with the Rob Zombie one is uh, has probably burned him a bit. Yeah, uh, you know, and. Um, Especially because didn't Zombie come out a while back with some um, like shit saying that like Carpenter just basically said to him, "Fucking do whatever you want. I don't give a fuck." And mm. then like, and then Carpenter just came out and said that's not what happened at all. Um, it, 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 yeah, Zombie said that Carpenter said that you know do whatever I don't give a fuck, and then actually came out and said that he actually really he dug the movie and liked where he'd taken it and like what he'd done mm. um, and. 
Carpet kind of come out and said, that's not entirely true. I, to be honest, I didn't. I, I, I don't. He basically said, I don't dislike it as such. It's not what I intended for the Halloween. I'm happy for him to have his thing, but I didn't say I liked it. I didn't say do whatever the fuck you know you want. You have my blessing. That's not that's not exactly what happened. But apparently they Rob Zombie did, did come out and kind of said, look, I, it, everything kind of got a bit mixed up in in different interviews and everything like that. And it's not you know, and they they admit that they both kind of spoke on the phone and kind of sorted things out. <laughs> with that so they're not at war as has been reported mm, okay well yeah i it's just i i'm assuming this is going to be like october 2018 i we're yes, not seeing is. this this year um I, I i would imagine so uh yeah can't wait and blum it's all yeah. about the blum I'll, 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 I'll be honest with you if there was like one person we could ever get on this show to interview I'd be quite tempted to say Jason Blum would be it because I think he's the person I mention more than virtually any other film-related person on this podcast. Well, I think the thing is, we we both of us have a deep affinity for um, genre and, and horror movies. You know, it's it, it is a you know we are both huge big film fans in, in general uh, and I like to think that, that we that we cover like a, a, a very wide kind of aspect of films and we're both quite film literate in the sense of we don't shy away from any particular genre and we both have um, loves of genres that, that maybe some people wouldn't say that they, they have that kind of love for uh, I'll happily admit to my uh, enjoying romantic comedies um, and we'll defend them to the fucking hilt um, but what Jason Bloom is doing, is doing there is he's He's essentially created a a production company to kind of give horror and genre a bit more credence and a bit of look. Do you know what? It doesn't have to just be shock horror. It doesn't just have to be gore for the sake of gore. What 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 made people like horror wasn't just the tits and the gore. It was the the freakiness of it, the weirdness, the claustrophobia that icky feeling that it gave you and that was that wasn't just made by showing an eyeball being pulled out or a fucking rape scene or anything like that it was made by these people who had these interesting ideas and these interesting ways to frame things and show you things and yes gore was sometimes a part of it and you know yes you know the sexual aspects of it were a part of it but it was there was so much more you know you look at um halloween is a prime example of it um not the first stalk and slash uh, movie ever made but the one that kind of brought it more to the masses more than black christmas did um but there's not that much gore in it yes there's, there's a boob shot but it, it, it's it's not a full-on sexual it's not a rape scene or anything like that but it's still an incredibly freaky film to watch and i've watched it dozens of times and still showing it to a younger audience it's still it's atmosphere, there's all of that. And I think that, that, that what Jason Bloom's doing there is he gives these filmmakers the ability to, to transfer that to the screen. It's, it's, he's doing some great work, and I'd agree. It'd be, it'd be fascinating to just kind of to, to speak to something like that about why and what else he'd like to do, where else he wants to go. And, you know, is he just genre or does he want to turn it in 10, 15 years' time into one of the, you know, the massive powerhouses that it could be. It is it's just essentially fucking building a new Miramax. 
Yeah, no, it, I mean, certainly, like, he's got the dimension bit down, it's just getting the, the yeah. Miramax bit, I mean, like, fuck, motherfucker produced Whiplash, you know, Yeah, he's, he's an Oscar nominee for Whiplash, which is amazing, which is awesome, you know, um, uh, yeah, I mean, long may the guy continue, and fuck, man, like, that is one of the most interesting projects of 2018, or whenever it comes out. The casting for that's just going to be, it's so interesting on who they get, and uh-huh. how they do it, and it's... It, you have a feeling it'll be dealt with quite sensibly with those guys. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, moving on, Ian. Uh, trailers. Uh, what have you been watching this week? Um, so, yeah, I've watched a, uh, I watched a couple. Um, I don't know whether you had this before, Fifty Shades of Grey, but one that I'd, I'd never even fucking heard of. Unforgettable, Rosario Dawson and Catherine Heigl. Uh... I don't think I did it before Fifty Shades, or did I? I might have. There was an awful lot of people using them. There's an awful lot of people using their phones uh, for the entirety up until the film started uh, in in my screening. So it was, I was just trying to not fucking have an aneurysm. Nice. Um, Yeah, I mean, this looks like catnip for you to be honest oh shit. yeah so it's basically what is it it's like rosario dawson has gotten with this guy who has a kid from a previous marriage and he was previously married to katherine heigl and like because she's the the, the mother of the, the kid or something like she's in their lives but then katherine heigl goes a bit mad and basically says you stole my husband you stole my life now i'm gonna sabotage everything and it's like Rosario Dawson being framed for shit and Catherine Heigl being all psycho. So Catherine um, Heigl being Catherine Heigl. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of stunned that this, it, it, it looks direct to video, like genuinely does, but if this thing is 90 minutes, sure. If yeah. it's anything longer than an hour and 45 and then I'm out. I will watch the trailer later on. Yeah, do it. Um, it's just it looks like I just yeah. Um, it looks like a like a, a Thursday lunchtime Netflix watch, you know. Yes. Uh, so uh, also the Lego Ninjago movie. Um, so uh, yeah, um, I I don't know. It looks like it could be fun. It looks it looks basically younger skewing than even Lego Movie or Lego Batman movie. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll see. Um, I'll go take Lottie to see it, and I won't begrudge it. Yeah, I I, I, I probably won't go and see that at the cinema. Yeah, is what no, I'll fa- say. No, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I mean it, it's um, Lego Movie, Lego Batman. Didn't have a problem going to see it by myself. Um, I, I saw both of them by myself. I'm actually going to take Lottie to see Lego Batman tomorrow, um, and I'm, I'm quite looking forward to having another go at that. Actually. Um, <laughs> As much as I was ever so slightly cool on it last week, I, I, I kind of like like look for visual in jokes more. You know, I'm quite looking forward yeah. to that experience. But whereas with Lego Ninjago, there's no way I'd go and see it if I didn't have Lottie. But she'll she'll probably have a blast with it for an hour and a half. You know, it's a fair play. Yeah, I mean the thing is, it's again Lego Ninjago thing seems to be a little bit like very much they're, they're making one for the fans of, of Lego and hoping to get a few people in from the Lego movie world that created as well. Mm-hmm. Because the Lego Ninjago it is huge for Net Lego. And I think it's a little bit like them going, we're not doing one for that 
film fans now, we're doing one for our Lego and our games fans. Yeah, which I, think, for, which I think is a really cool thing to do. It's important as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, because as I was kind of saying last week, I think Lego Movie and Lego Batman Movie, I'm, I'm, I'm unsure how much of those are for kids at certain points, whereas this does look like it's for kids. And yeah. I mean, I, I'm good. <laughs> frankly, you know, even then again, I mean, like Noel said, he took Charlie to see Lego Batman and he loved it. And, um, yeah, I'm so intrigued to see what Lottie thinks about it. But yeah, yeah. anyway, I'll go see it. Fuck. The, the thing is though, compared to like the boss baby, I would go to see the boss baby by myself because I'm, fu- but I, I'm going to take Lottie, but I would see that by myself because I need to know how that film works. <laughs> Like, I think that's out around Easter, and I need to know how that thing works. I refer people to episode whatever. Um, I think it was the one before Rogue One. Um, but, yeah, I, I refer people to, to that the, for the Boss Baby. But yeah, The I Boss mean, Baby is out at the end of March, I believe. Yeah, so that, yeah that, Christmas, feels, that feels easier. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um Intriguing. Um, also, I saw the tra- uh, trailer for the the Circle. Uh, oh which, yes, uh, which is the the new James Ponsalt film. Uh, the guy who did yeah. the Spectacular Now, uh, which, which was great. I haven't seen the end of what? the tour yet. Um, it's on uh, Netflix, I believe. So um, I, I should get to that. Yeah, it looks interesting. This um, like it's basically Emma Watson goes to work for Google. Google's run by Tom Hanks. Google's not as nice as it appears to be. Sure, yeah. why not? I'll, I'll watch Tom Hanks be... Like, I, 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 I'm intrigued to see Tom Hanks be sinister. Like, Yeah, I, I am... The thing about Tom Hanks, and we said, we said it before on here, the weird thing about Tom Hanks is how much of a... Um, the fact that he actually is a character actor. Um, sure, yeah. at, at his core. And we get, you know... We get used to people saying, "Oh, Tom Hanks, yeah, you know, he's 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 such the everyman. He's you know the great thing is with Tom Hanks, he's Tom Hanks and everything." It's like, you know, he's not. He, he really isn't <laughs> at all. He's actually a really good character actor. You think of his like his standout roles that people remember him for. For they're all characters and very well formed characters. Um, so yeah, it'll be. Like, see, it's interesting to see him with something that he can get his teeth into a little bit more, and it's not. Nice the fact that he's doing stuff that he can get his teeth in a little mark. He didn't seem to be coasting for a good number of years. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I mean, like, I, I don't know. Like, he's a guy. He's a guy who bounces between Cloud Atlas, Sully, a hologram for a he's, king. You know, he's so much more interesting than you ever. Than I think he's ever given credit for. I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as, just... as an actor, and I, I still maintain that it, it it genuinely fucking annoys me um, when people say. Ever accuse um, Forrest Gump of being one of the most undeserving Best Picture winners because oh it happened to be um, the same year as things like Shawshank Redemption and things like that. So right for a start off, nobody went to see Shawshank fucking Redemption at the cinema. They didn't. It, it that fucker found its, its its niche on home video and that's where it became beloved. You know it did mediocre. It, you know you could almost say it was a bomb at the cinema and. Forrest Gump's a really fucking good film. I don't care what people say. When people say years, man. Yeah. Years. I watched it a couple of years ago and and thought, oh god. I rewatched it. Was like, this is a fucking really good movie. 
It's fun. It's a lot more black and biting than I ever fucking gave it credit for. But it is a really, really cracking movie. And I've seen it so many times in the past fucking few weeks since the Oscar noms came out saying the most undeserved Oscar winners of all time. It's like, it's fucking really not. That motherfucker is as best picture as you can get. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, that's fair. Um... Uh, oh, and my last one is Sofia Coppola's new film, The Beguiled. Um, oh, yeah, I, I didn't watch this trailer. Um, I meant to watch it. I just pressed play on it then by accident. But, um, I meant to watch it, but I completely... I, I think I started watching it, and then I had to go do something, and I forgot to watch it when I came back to it. Nice. Uh, very, very good. Um, so, if I remember correctly, I believe, yeah, it's a remake of a 1971 Don Siegel film um, starring um, Clint Eastwood. Um, and yeah it looks really interesting it's like um, a bunch of women find Colin Farrell um, like injured or something and they um, they kind of f- fix him up and then um, it maybe ever so slightly goes black narcissus in um, almost like female hysteria pro- like caused by men or some or something you know um but with sophia coppola it's going to be a lot more complicated than that i think um this looks interesting uh it looks like it could be very very creepy and very tense uh i mean who's it it's uh, i think it's nicole kidman kirsten dunst l fanning yeah uh, um uh, which is like good casting and i think colin farrell has injured soldier who provokes women to go a bit mad could even again i don't think it's gonna be as simplistic about that i'm making it sound very reductive and i don't mean to yeah Um, there'll be something there i can't see i can't see something a couple of doing that yeah no no exactly that That sounds a little bit more like an eli roth movie (laughs) yes yeah yeah no exactly yeah um but yeah it looks uh it looks interesting what can i say i didn't know she directed the uh, brave murray christmas Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I, I still haven't watched that. I've seen that twice now, man. I, I, will, I, I, I will only watch it at Christmas, so I need to watch it next Christmas because the past two Christmas I haven't had fucking time to watch it. Um, I've got a couple other ones to, to throw in there. Do it. Uh, I watched the uh, trailer for uh, It Comes at Night, the teaser trailer. Um, oh, yes, how was this? It, it looks interesting, you know. It, the thing is, it's a decent trailer, well put together trailer that makes you go, that's a good trailer, but I don't know about the movie. But, Joel Edgerton, when does Joel Edgerton not do something interesting? The guy picks really, really well. Um, so that's what got me interested. Um, Aftermath, the new uh, Schwarzenegger one. Oh, okay, yes. Have you seen this? No, 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 I haven't. Um, do you know what it's about? No, please. No, right. no, tell me. Um, Alice Schwarzenegger is on the way to pick his wife and his daughter, uh, who is pregnant, um, up from uh, the airport. Uh, then the air traffic controller, who is leading the plane in, goes off to make a coffee, and then when he comes back, doesn't realise that he's got two planes about to land at the same time, and they crash into each other. Schwarzenegger's obviously everybody dies in it um, and there's an investigation into whether or not the air traffic controller is guilty of um, 
manslaughter and Schwarzenegger as himself is trying to go with the replay, tracking him down to ask him just to say sorry because nobody's saying sorry for this accident happening. Well, the air traffic controller is played by Scoot McNary. Oh, okay. So at that, I'm going Schwarzenegger being not action star Schwarzenegger, being a little bit more down the road of what he was like in, in Maggie. Um, and looking at going, trying to display a little bit more acting chops, which I, you know, he does have. You know, don't get me wrong, he's not, he's not the best actor in the world, but he's, he is, I think he is a solid actor. It looks like there's a lot of that going on uh, with that, and I sort of screw McNary, who is a very good actor, um, into it. It's yeah, it looks quite interesting. However, what I would say is the trailer, I think, gives away too much. Right, okay. Way too much. So if you think that sounds interesting, I'd maybe avoid the trailer. Okay, all that's, I, I shall avoid the trailer then, I think. All that's in the first minute of the trailer. Then the next minute of the trailer is standard kind of trailery, lots of shots of what's going on. And the last minute of the trailer, I was a bit like, whoa, I don't want to know that. I don't want to need to know that. <laughs> Stop doing that. So yeah, so I, I won't say any more. And I would advise people, if you... That sounds like something you want to watch. Honestly, people don't watch the fucking trailer because it, it, it might not give away too much, but it did feel like it gave away a little bit too much. Um, and the final one I watched is The Ticket, the uh, Dan Stevens movie um, that's coming out um, where he he seems to play a guy who has kind of been ticking along through life and has decided that he's, he's sick of just ticking along and he wants to grab the, the bull by the horns. And as he grabs the bull by the horns, it ends up kind of... It, he ends up doing things and acting in ways that you wouldn't have normally expected him to act. Um, and he seems to start pissing a lot of people off. Um, it's also stars um, Malini Ackerman, um, who... Can either be very good in stuff or very bad, but another um, another one of those signs of a good movie. It's also got Oliver Platt in it, and again, Oliver Platt usually picks interesting stuff to be in. Uh, he plays his blind best friend. Um, so yeah, this one I would recommend watching the trailer for. It looks very very good, and still maintain that Dan Stevens is, and you know he's also with the. I've not watched it yet, but I was it's been fantastic. The Legion, oh, the new, Legion, yeah, man, yeah, it's very that's very fucking interesting. He's a a guy who I I I still think there's a lot to come of this guy, and I do still think if they're looking to suave up Bond for the next Bond, I still think Dan Stevens is the fucking way to go. Yep, agreed. Yeah, and I don't, and don't get me wrong, as much as I love Tom Hardy, and I think Tom Hardy would make a great Bond, I don't think he's the Bond we need right now. I don't think we need a, a bruising Bond straight after uh, we've had uh, Daniel Craig play the bruising Bond. I think we could do with a, we could do with a suave Bond again. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, not that I, I, I think Daniel Craig is a fantastic Bond, uh, but I, I, yeah, I think that that could work. Yeah, no, I mean, they, they've got kind of, they got some similar energies. Uh, have, have Craig and Hardy, and uh, yeah, Stevens would bring a bit of that. Yeah, like you say that suave back for sure. Yeah, and as well, and I, I, I do genuinely think the guy's got got acting chops as well from everything. From the not actually not seeing a great amount, but he's also you know he's a guy who's very much looking down a certain path as well. You know, he's got he's playing the beast of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, you know. And things like the guest, he's chased these type of type, type of things. You know, I saw I saw a trip of Beauty and the Beast before um, Fifty Shades Darker, and 
was like, do you know what? Yeah, it, it, I, I, I would happily watch that. Um, I'm going to watch the fuck out of Beauty yeah. and the Beast. I think it looks great. And I, I thought, I, I'm not, that's the first time I've started watching trailer. I've been a little bit underwhelmed, but I saw it on the big screen and went, yeah, I'm actually really fucking looking forward to that. That looks, that looks like it's going to be a real fucking nice warm hug of a movie. Yeah, for sure. And I'm up for that. It's, it looks very good, yeah. So, Ian, shall we get into it? Let's do this. Should we get a little bit darker? Let's do this. Yes. Uh, Fifty Shades Darker, uh, the follow-up to the phenomenally successful uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, a movie that we, I think, both didn't hate. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was underwhelming, but all right, yeah. is what I would say. Uh, so Fifty Shades Darker, uh, it's no longer um, Sam uh, Turnbull Johnson uh, directing, it's now James Foley, who, what else has he directed? He's actually got some, you know, fairly decent things under his belt. He didn't know he Glenn, Gary Glenn Ross? Oh, I've already imagined that. Um, sure right. And Perfect Stranger, The Chamber, uh, At Close Range, so there's, you know, there's, there's, there's some decent films in there, if not loads um, of films in there. Uh, returning is Dakota Johnson and Jamie Dornan. Um, also, Rita Ora returns and um, has, a, has precisely 10 times more screen time, but still not a lot of screen time in this. Um, Asha Greer Harden's there. Bella Heathcote is also on board, as is Kim Basinger and uh, a couple of dudes that don't fucking matter, let's be honest. Generic dude number one and generic dude number fucking two. Um, so set directly after after their breakup, um, it follows the story of them getting back together very very fucking very quickly. quickly. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Ian. Um, Fifty Shades Darker. What did you think? Because this one could be fucking interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I came home from it. And I was talking to Donna, and about five minutes into the conversation, she was like, you seem a bit agitated. I was like, well, what do you mean? And she was like, well, it looks like you've got like, quite a lot of pent-up energy. I was like, right, okay then. And I think it's basically because this film's awful. Um, but I quite enjoyed watching it, just because, I mean, like, you can tell this one's directed by a man and the last one was directed by a woman. Jesus Christ. Um, Dakota Johnson is a very attractive young lady. And yeah. there's a lot of her in this film. That's um, because a big criticism of the first one, uh, that the producers um, and E.L. James actually came out herself and said, was that they weren't, that the first one wasn't sexy enough. I mean, this. Yeah. Now, okay. Now, fair now, what I, what I would, what I would back you upon what you're kind of thinking there is, is this one sexy though? It might not be as it might not be sexy as such, and I am doing the little rabbit ears yeah, sexy yeah, yeah. thing. It might be sexy, but there's a lot of sex in it. There's a lot more sex in it. I mean, it it does, and and the thing is. Dakota Johnson in that corsety kind of thing and popping those balls up in her. Um, yeah. it, it's you know I'm a man. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I, I mean. Yeah, you have to cross your legs. Yeah, you know, and I mean, like, fair, and the, the thing is, I felt sorry for the women in the audience because I think there was three guys in there, 
uh, in in my audience. Um, I I spotted two guys with girlfriends slash wives, I'm assuming, and then me by myself with a long coat. Um, and, um, I, I, I like, I was enjoying my time with that, but then Jamie Dornan, you see his top half a few times, you, you see his pubes in one bit, um, because yeah, I was, well, I, yeah. I, I was watching, because I was watching out for it. I was because it was like, what are women well, getting out of this? Well, they're, they're not, but the other bit is, what are women getting out of this? It's the their idea of of Christian is 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 that is what they're getting. This is this is the thing that we we, we briefly spoke about uh, before we actually started recording um, in terms of the fact that um, this is uh, that that. This movie kind of seems to have crept up mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? It's not. And do you know how, you can, how I can prove that this movie has not crept up out of nowhere? Mm. I went at 12 o'clock, uh, 12 p.m. on Friday, the opening day of it coming out, it's the first screening in York, right, of this movie. Um, there. I went to that screening. It was in one of the biggest screens in view, and it was virtually full. Yeah, sure. Right, I could see that. Virtually full, and I thought, fucking hell, you know, I didn't think this film would actually be that much publicised. Do you know what? It's not. It is. It has been. It's targeted marketing. It's not being publicised to me because it's not trying to. It's not trying to tell me that this film is going on. That this film is out at this time, and it is a proof that targeted marketing works. It's, but the. The movie that the, the 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 woman who bought the book wanted was there, and that was proven by I had a, a brief conversation with three women who would, who were sat in front of me um, while they were, and watched it, uh, and I had a brief conversation with them afterwards and asked them what they thought of it, um, and um, all three of them went, it, yeah, it was great, we had fun with it. They weren't looking for anything magnificent. They were looking to come watch this movie and have a bit of fun. And that that was it. And I thought, I, I kind of just sort of stayed around and listened for people as they were coming out, which I don't normally do. And everyone seemed to have had a, a good time with it. Yeah, and I, I thought, mean, do you know what? That, and the, the, the thing about Fifty Shades Darker is, I'm the same as you, it's not a good movie. It's not a good movie. It has the lines, oh no, I'm wearing too many clothes. Right? Which is supposed to be a little bit kind of wink-wink, but it's not delivered in a wink-wink kind of way. And it is it also has the line, kinky fuckery. Mate, kinky fuckery, hashtag kinky fuckery. Kinky like, fuckery, I laughed out loud. Nobody else did. Yeah, and I so laughed did I. out fucking loud. It was the two times I laughed out loud, and the other one I actually said something out loud because I couldn't stop laughing and thought I was going to have to leave the wow. screening. What and was it, that? it was the fucking Chronicles of Riddick poster. Oh, mate, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's framed in the centre of the shot between the, the two shot. of them as well. It's the weirdest fucking... For so long. For yeah. so long. Yeah. And all I could think all through that scene was, I want to watch Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, man. It's like... Oh, the... I watched Pitch Black last night so I could watch Chronicles of Riddick this week. Nice. I just... <laughs> I, yeah, uh-huh. I mean... I, I just want to finish my original thought. Oh, sorry, yes. No, 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 it's okay, it's okay. About about women not like what are women getting out of this? The one, 
the thing is, I knew that the women were getting enough out of it, though, because fair play, and good on the film for do, doing this, but uh, like, doing this stuff, but there's the one bit where he's got that thing that goes between her legs. Yeah. The and then fl- yeah. And then he flips it round. Yeah. Audible. Oh. Ooh, yes. I got the In same nice screenings. Yeah. And you know what? Boom. There you go. Fair enough. As, as, Fair as, enough. As a fan of cinema and the cinema experience, um, yeah. Do you know what? Like when I went to see um, Ghostbusters and I had some uh, people who were disabled. No. Oh, yeah. I think I'm allowed, I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, and every yeah. time the theme tune came on, they started waving their arms and humming along. Right? Do you know what? That didn't fucking bother me. If that had been a group of teenagers that would just been dickheads, it'd have pissed me off. Yeah. But them doing that didn't bother me. They were in, that was them enjoying the shit out of the movie. In the same way as the oohs and the woos and the giggles for this was the women and I'm not saying women, but there was me and one of the guy who yeah, sat across the what is it from me who I actually thought was a woman because the said guy for a start off brought packeted sweets that he had to unwrap, right? To a fucking cinema. Yeah. And he kept some rapper for like the first 20 minutes and it was making me actually literally scratch my eyes. Sure. And then the fucker started using his phone and I did lean across and said, excuse me, miss, could you stop using your phone, please? And it wasn't until the end of the film that I turned around and went, whoa, you're a guy. Yeah. And he was like, what? Well, you just look like a fat woman. No. To which he responded with, that's incredibly rude. He was like, oh, sorry, were you using your phone throughout the movie? That wasn't rude. <laughs> was it? Uh, and that was when the, the women who were in front of me turned around and went, I can see why you've been you've come to see this film on your own. Really? Oh. Yeah. And I was like, sorry. They went, oh, no, no, we're not, we're not, we're not, no judgment here. And that was when I asked if they enjoyed the movie. That's pretty funny. No, I mean, I, it's, I just, I mean, the, the thing is, it's, it is rubbish. It's terrible. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it, but, I I actually, it's a lot sweeter. It's a lot more playful. It's not as bogged down in fucking misery and Fifty Shades of Fucked Up as the first one. There are shades of that. The whole right, where are my boundaries? And then he gives the lipstick and she draws the boundaries on. Right? I, I, I'll be honest. I I was laughing during that. Bit. I was laughing at that. Right, but not only that. He then they then have sex. He then gets ready for a ball, goes yeah. to the ball, yeah. they have sex again at the yeah. ball, then they go home, yeah. have sex in the shower, and it's, it's still, still on him. Yeah. I'm just thinking, he's going to have had at least one shower in yeah. between that, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was... my. I, I mean, also... The scene where James Foley realises that nothing much has happened for the last hour and a half, so <laughs> I'd better insert a random helicopter crash. Yeah. Like, that because, was amazing. Which has virtually... Oh, my God. Oh it has God. no bearing, bearing on, on anything film. whatsoever. It's oh, incredible. They're, they're missing. They're missing. Nobody knows where they are. Then he just fucking walks in, covered in blood. Covered in blood. Yeah, right. In an age... In an age <laughs> of fucking mobile phones and a camera in everybody's pocket, and yeah. a billionaire, a, not only a billionaire, a very eligible billionaire, 
right, can crash and then can get from the crash back to his apartment when everyone thinks he's missing and dead without anybody seeing him. Bullshit. <laughs> so I'm calling, I'm calling bullshit. I mean, you've, you've got that, and you've got Max Martini's incredibly inspired method performance where he appears to be determined to have every single one of his lines be Miss Steele. Yeah. A variation, we- except for one where he actually says Anna, and yeah, it's Anna. like a critical moment. I, it, it, I, it, I get the feeling that, that Taylor, his character, right, has a great fucking scene. Has a great scene where he either chews out Christian or he saves Anna from something in the uh, Fifty Shades Freed, the final one. Yeah. Because why is Max Martini there it, if he doesn't? If he doesn't have a my time to fucking shine. Yeah. Moment. No. No. Exa- exactly. Exactly. It's it's very it's very odd. Um, yeah. And I, I I would like to discuss. A thing that we were talking about briefly on WhatsApp earlier on. Yeah. Um, five minutes from the end of this film, I'm yeah. thinking the first Fifty Shades Freed is going to be Fifty Shades of Kim Basinger hamming the fuck up and having a great time doing it for two hours. Yeah. Because like you said on, the, on our WhatsApp, she's perfectly cast as that and plays it very well. She's 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 quite a lot of a, a kind of not I wouldn't have fun in it, but she's she's unsettling. She knows the tone. She knows yeah. the tone. Yes. Who would you cast as an S N M Mrs. Robinson? King Basinger works perfect. You know, it's I, I mean, like in terms of American, anyway. I mean, like you could. There's a lot of European actresses who I think could probably do that, but um, American actress of that appropriate age. Kim Basinger. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it, 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 it's it's going to be her. So, at the end of the film, where it's right, it kind of looks like she's actually out of the picture, and now you've got random rapey boss. Which, which he goes, he goes from being, ah, oh, no, it's all right, I'll bring you tea. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we're all cool to, here, meet my boyfriend, and um, Christian Grey is a dick to him. And he's like, sorry, don't, don't, don't matter. To them being, no, do as I tell you, locked door. Look, I'm not asking you to fuck me, but I'm telling you, you're going to have to. Yeah. It's a bit like, whoa, whoa, you went Fifty Shades Darker really fucking quickly. Yeah. <laughs> you are the darker. They're not. <laughs> they're, they're Fifty Shades of fucking rainbow at the moment, <laughs> Anastasia and Christian. You're the darker. Where's this come from? No, and, then, yeah, exactly. and then he gets fired and he's just smoking a cigarette and just fucking burning pictures and just fucking staring at them. Thinking, you're probably not going to win this. He's got a lot of bodyguards and billions and, you know, you've got Johnson, he's hot, don't get me wrong, but you're a good-looking guy. You could probably, you know, find somebody else. Yeah, no, I mean, there, there what, is... What, what Jimmy Donner should do is he should introduce Bella Heathcote to, to him. Him and just go. There you go. And, you, you're, you, you've got this going on now. And I mean, oh God, Pella Heathcote. Yeah, I mean, the film tries to invent, which I'm sure is like the book as well, because the screenplay is written by E.L. El James' husband. So yeah, yes, the, uh, the the famed writer of Balak is Angel. Niall Leonard, I think his name is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I mean, the, the film has to invent drama by having Bella Heathcote in it as mysterious, messed up woman. Yeah. And then it it kicks off a plot point, which I thought was interesting about the whole she's still submissive to him. Yeah. And, and you know, and and. And I was like, where is this going to go? This is oh, really interesting. God but then no it's way. like uh, uh, Dakota Johnson walks around for a few hours, comes back. Jamie Dornan says, actually, you can touch the middle of my chest if you want. And then it's fine yeah. again. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's it, 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 this film, like a lot of like, like a lot of our things we were saying about the first one is a lot of we can't do this. We don't do this. We don't do this. This isn't allowed. Really? Yeah, yeah, really. Okay, then. Well, I'm not happy about that. Well, all right, then. We can do it. it, it that is yeah. a lot of that. Like, yeah. the, you know, you can never stay over. I'll never stay over. You, you just have. You literally just have. Mm. You can't touch here. You can't touch around. These, these are my boundaries. All right, all right, well, I'm cool with that. All right, you can, you can touch them if you want them. It, 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 it's that. But I don't know. I, I, I more bought the chemistry between them a little bit more before it. I'm yeah. not. I'm not entirely sure about that. I mean, I, I, it's. I the the thing is. I mean, like you've got the bit where she's like, "I want to take it slow," and then two minutes later, they're fucking. Yeah. And I. It just like the first one. It ended on a note where it's like, "I am an independent woman," and I'm. I'm saying to you, Christian, no, this is too far. You're fifty sh- like fifty shades of fucked up. You said it yourself. Done. I'm done. This one. Yes, he's saying, oh, I need you. Oh, I don't need any of that. I need you. But then by the end of it, he's got her in the red room. But it's her choice. She wants to go in there. It's, it's, it, that, that, the thing is there. It, it's become... It, before, there was a contract, and it was under his instructions and his orders. And it's almost like it, she's, she's now saying, do you know what? When I'm not being told I have to do it, and I'm not the submissive, it's it's more of a well we can try it I, I'm happy to dip my toe what I don't want is to be told where I'm allowed to dip my fucking oh, toe and, 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 and yeah. how fucking far it's got to go up my leg and stuff like that there's there's that it's it's a whole the I was reading a little bit about the whole um, submissive and dominant uh, relationship thing um this week, because I was reading some articles about this and kind of went down that fucking rabbit hole you go down. I read about it, and it was saying that... Um, uh, how, did, how did the contract negotiations with Becky go? Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I still have zero rights like I had before when we started, but now I'm wearing some uncomfortable beads. Um, uh, I'd like to see that contract, incidentally. <laughs> I, I, will, I will send it over for your perusal. Um, <laughs> so... It was saying that like there's there's a tracking online activity um, of, of people is that there's a, a rise in the whole idea of the the subdom relationship thing, but the the subdom um, kind of uh, world that was already there and community that was already there have kind of come out and gone. It, it's bullshit. It's it's not actually subdom. It's people dipping their toe into it and wanting to try different little bits of it mm. um, and calling it a subdom relationship because that's what these new younger people who are like 20 years old think a sexual relationship is that all sexual relationships are, well, are you sub or are you, are you dom? It's like, most people are neither. Most people are just 
they they just have a sexual relationship. See, and I, now I, young people are going, oh, no, that, that, that's a switch. And it's like, no, no it, it's this constant fucking need to, to, to categorise everything and pigeonhole everything and say, well, this is this, and this is this, and this is this, and this is this. It's like, no, it's not. Sometimes people just have sex and sometimes people want to use a fucking brace to have sex or sometimes people want to use a fucking paddle. It doesn't mean they're involved in a sub-dom relationship. I need a wee, but before I do so, I'm in a sub-dom relationship. <laughs> I do everything my wife tells me to. And, and, and you're fucking loving it, aren't you? Oh, I get spanked every now and then, I can't complain. Yeah, so, um, I, I mean, I don't know, like, the film looks good. Yeah. Scores fine. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I just it? really quite like the score, actually. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it was, it was, it was good. I mean, Danny Elfman doing some, you know, decent work there. I mean, it's just, it's, um, I don't know. I mean, like, like we say, it, it's, it's rubbish. I mean, the, the structure of it is basically not much happens. They have yeah. sex. Not much happens. They have sex. sex. Not much happens. They have sex. Yeah, it is. It, it's, it's a. Uh... I, I I do think it, it's a lot more. It's not trying to be bigger than the sum of its parts this time. It's very much. I thought something of Wood just who is a filmmaker isn't a filmmaker as such. You know, she's a filmmaker who hasn't really made many films really. Um, so I, I think it's hard to call her an, an altruistic filmmaker or anything like that. But she did seem like. She did say to have a bit of a whiff of thinking she was elevating the material. I was there to elevate the material a little bit. Whereas I don't think James Foley is. He's just there to be the steady pair of hands to guide the material through and deliver what's supposed to be delivered. And it, it kind of feels like that's more what this movie needed. It needed to be... The Fifty Shades films should be playing to the people who are going to see the movie. Agreed. Not to the people who are going to see the movie to review the fucking movie. And I've seen the thing, the reason why it's going to be another one of those movies similar to like the Transformers movies where this movie will make a shit ton of money and it will be panned by all the fucking critics saying it's terrible, it's awful, it's terrible, it's woeful, it's crap, and why are we getting this shit in cinemas and you should go and see this because this is my wedding and you should go and see this and it's completely forgetting that cinema is for everybody and the actual people who are wanting to go and see this movie and wanting this movie to be made are enjoying it largely. So why not let them enjoy it? Don't go fucking watch it. You know, and when you're reviewing it, what review it based on the movie that it is and the movie that it's trying the, the, the people it's trying to speak to it's not trying to get into the fucking subtext of a subdom relationship it's trying to tell the story of these two people as it was written in a book by somebody who fucking wrote Twilight fan fucking fiction yeah it's, it's <laughs> it literally it fucking why get your poison one about it? Just enjoy Dakota Johnson's beautiful fucking ass and Jamie Dornan's wonderful fucking chest on a fucking pommel horse. I'll, I, but I'll, I'll be honest. Going, oh my god, yeah. To be fair, wow. I I was ever so slight. I, I I was a bit aroused by that. I was fucking fully aroused by that. I'm not ashamed to admit. I was oh. going. I was watching. Going. It's got to be fucking wires. 
There's got to be wires. If not, fair enough. We all know Jimmy Dolan's a bit of a prick, but but bravo, man. The bravo. Is, the film could have done with more of that. That's uh, like, yeah, I, it I, is. I, it really could have. Like it just. I I mean, like if if ladies like looking at Dakota Johnson, then great, you know. And they do probably. You know, I mean, it just. Let's have a bit of cock. Yeah, it is. It, we've, uh, it, we've, not the first time we've said this, that there should be more wanging movies. Yeah, man. I mean... What are you hiding, Jimmy? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. There's a new Conan game out that has wang physics. And you can <laughs> adjust the size of wangs and tits. Oh, uh, wait, wait, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Yeah, this Conan Exiles, I think it's called. Um, you can yeah, you can adjust. There's dick physics, so it will like depending on how big you make it, it will bounce about at a certain rate. What's and the same for boobs, apparently. Is it, can, can I get this on PS4? Uh, I don't think so. It's in oh. access on Steam at the moment, but um, yeah, that sounds magnificent. Yeah, but anyway, so that's the thing. If a video game can do that, and they, they basically said, like, we wanted to do both because of quality, basically, you know. Yep. It's, it's like, share that love. I mean, obviously, like, erect penises, I think, are a no-no yeah. for an R. They are a no-no for an R. Yeah, okay, so I suppose that kind of negates the whole thing, really, because you couldn't really have a floppy, because then what would be the point? But I, I, I don't know. But why does he always keep his trousers on when he's fucking? That's, yeah, because that's it, isn't it? It's like, it it's is. always like... He just like and, and by the way, I loved. There was one particular. I think where they were in, they were in the red room where the music was building up, and it was like, "This is the the beat's gonna kick in. He's gonna thrust as soon as that beat kicks in." Yeah, and yes, it did. You know, it did. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly it. At least get him in his like boxes so they can have yeah. a look at his ass. Yeah, or give us his ass. Yeah, or, just give him, give us his ass. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's. And the thing is, I'm sounding like, you know, like, oh, is that all that women want? And it's like, well, no, because you get to see an awful lot of Dakota Johnson. And I am perfectly okay with that. Perfectly yeah. okay with that. Let's have some Jamie Dorn and arse or cock and balls as well, because yeah. Yeah, it's only fair. Can we have some fucking wang in the next one, please? Yeah, go on, just a tip of wang. Just a tip of wang. Or a, just a, a, a dense bulge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's it. So, well, anyway. remind me, that's the episode title. Um, <laughs> Fifty Shades Darker. What? 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 Where? Where are you landing on it? What are you calling it's def- it? It's definitely shit. But I'm actually almost tempted for touching, almost tempted for touching cloth. But I'm not going to do it because it is rubbish. But it's two out of five for me. It's the rubbish that I am not offended by. It's it, it's, a def- it's a it's a touching cloth for me because yeah, it is shit. It is shit. But what I'll say is because we have a we have a, a three degrees of, of, of reviewing, it's it's shit. So I can't call it definitely not shit. It's touching cloth, but it's a high touching cloth because I actually really enjoyed it. And oh, unlike the first fuck one, it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Touching cloth. Yeah, and unlike the first one, which I I didn't even rewatch before this because I just don't need to rewatch it. I no, will same. rewatch it at some point, but. Uh, you know, it, it it just it feels like a slog going to rewatch it. Rewatching this, I don't think will feel like a slog. I think I'll have fun rewatching it. And I'll say this: 
I don't think I'll only rewatch this once. I think I could rewatch this a couple of times. If when this pops up as a fiver on iTunes, I could see me going, yeah, I love that. Because I could, because I could see me watching it a couple of times. Because when it's fun, it's fun and it's stupid, and I liked that about it. I liked the ridiculousness of this movie. So yeah, I I, I quite I quite enjoyed it, but it is shit. So yeah, I, I have upgraded my letterbox review to touching cloth because you know what, it's not for us. Yeah, you know, and as considering how not for me it is, because yeah. as as is well documented on this show, th- this kind of stuff does make me. Like, I'm I'm not. I don't watch porn. This isn't porn. I know yeah. this isn't porn. Um, but this kind of material is not the kind of stuff that I usually watch i had a good time watching it and not just because of dakota johnson it's rubbish i wonder but unlike the first one i think they kind of slightly know it is and they yeah they they lean in they got it right they got it right i think with this one they got the tone right um audience um definitely not shit 24 percent. good on you Good on you. I'm, I'm quite surprised at that. Touching cloth, 12%, and shit, 64%. Um, All right, fine. Fair enough, fair enough. You know, it's. I, I get that a lot of people will not find the playfulness in it that, that, that we maybe found, but 24% say definitely not shit. I'm, I'm well for that, and, and bravo to you people. Uh, Ian, what have you been watching uh, this week? So I think I'm the only person in the world, including the people who worked on it, who's seen Ballerina twice. Well, me and my daughter... Um, it yeah, it was the movie for juniors thing at Cineworld today, and um, Donna wanted to like bless her, do some housework while not having Lottie all over the place uh, because my wife is awesome like that. So fine, I'll go see Ballerina again. I still quite enjoyed it. I think you it's enjoyed like, it the first yeah, time. yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it the first time. Like I said, most awake day the hands ever been on screen, <laughs> um, and. Um, it's quite a nice little story, and Lottie was dancing in front of the screen at the end of it. So you know, job done. So ballerina, seriously, like if you've got if you've got little ones, it's really not a bad hour and a half. Um, so uh, two things I actually chose to watch: uh, rewatch John Wick. Um, gonna go see John Wick two on Tuesday. There's previews on Tuesday, on Valentine's Day, which is hilarious, and. Um, like, sorry. I'm fucking working, fucking all day Valentine's Day. Yeah, sorry, man. Don- Donna was just like, you know, I don't give a fuck about Valentine's Day. You go ahead. So yes, please. Um, I yeah, John Wick's great, man. Um, the the world that they build up in that film, the mythology of the Continental. I really, I I've got a feeling they're gonna do more with that in the second one, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do. Um, is there previews on tomorrow night as well? Really? Yeah. Ooh. Shut the fuck up. I thought it was just Tuesday. Is it? I'm showing up now. Oh. Oh, I've got to see it tomorrow night. Are you serious? Oh, why I not could I do, yeah. Tomorrow night? Yeah, I could do. Oh, I want to go see John Wick too. At City Screen tomorrow night. Half nine. This is very boring for people, but I don't care. Yeah. You see, it's yeah, it's not. It is only on at 
my Cineworld on Tuesday and then opens on Friday. They've got an extended version of Arrival playing tomorrow, though, which is interesting. Um, hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but, yeah, no, John Wick 2. Yeah, Tuesday night. Really looking forward to it. Um, I, I, I like the fact that... Uh, spoiler alert for John Wick. Um, you've got Alfie Allen's character, who is just this fucking dickhead kid and he's kind of set up as the main antagonist of the film and then he's killed with about 25 minutes to go and then yeah. it's Michael Nightwrist basically driving into John Wick and just going ah you know just yeah it's, 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 it's great it's it, no it's brilliant and um I like Dean Winters who um has a recurring role in Brooklyn Nine-Nine um but he turns up here as uh, Michael Nightwrist's assistant yeah, uh, and he's, right. he's based the same character as in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, except in in Brooklyn Nine Nine, he's a copper. But in in this, he's basically like his assistant, and like this just keeps on saying stuff in Russian, and he's just like English, please. <laughs> English, please. It's like a running joke, and it's it's fantastic. But yeah, I mean, the gunshots in John Wick One. The sound on them is incredible. Yep. Every gunshot feels like a cannon being fired. Yep. And, of course, it's the, 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 the wonder, and I'd still maintain the reason why John Wick played so well and was so refreshing as an action movie to everybody is no shaky cam, no quick cuts. Yeah, man. Yeah, nice wide Shows shots. you it all. And I don't think there's anybody better at doing that type of stuff than Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. He's fucking badass. Yeah, he, he's a fucking beast, that man. And yeah. the, the, the sequel opened in the US, did about double what the original did in its opening weekend. Fuck. Amazing. That's good, that. I'm glad, because I was, I was worried that it might end up just not quite transferring. Yeah, no, it... Um, it the, the, so the first one did, I think, I'm going to pull it up now, but around 15... And John Wick 2's looking to do about 30. 40. It's done. Shut the fuck up. Is it really? 40.6. Oh. Deadline is saying 30. Oh, brilliant, really. 40.6. Box Office Mojo, come on. Make me happy. Yeah, That could be. Yeah, 40.6. Uh, is that, that's, is that, that international? Includes, that includes... Uh, it's only opened in the US and Canada, so that includes US and Canada. I've got 30 million here. All right, well, fine. Whatever. 30 million in the US. Uh, and, oh, no, sorry, it's, yeah, sorry, no, it's 10.6 in other territories worldwide, but that's only, like, Spain and places like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's early days, but, I mean, yeah, John Wick 1 did, like, 15 and... Uh, fuck, hang on. How is it not fucking... I need to find this out now. I need to find this out. Lottie, how much did John Wick make on its opening weekend in the US a few years back? Who are you asking it to? Who am I asking it to? I'm asking you, baby. Do you know how much John Wick made in its opening weekend? Yeah. How much? Um, Daddy, don't be a silly. 
14.4. It was 14.4 million, Lottie, okay? Can you remember that? I'm going to be asking you later. <laughs> yeah, it, it went on to gross 86 million worldwide. Yeah, and uh, apparently Home Entertainment, it did like Gangbusters, which is why it got a sequel. But yeah. it, it, it now feels like we're going to continue getting John Wick films. And I'm hope, I hope they're all called Chapter 3, Chapter 4, Chapter 5. Yeah, uh, and yeah, long may it continue. I haven't even seen the second one yet, but the second one's got in so, such good buzz, buzz. that yeah. it just yeah. I, I'm I, I'd be if I didn't have a lot of other stuff to watch, I'd be tempted to watch John Wick again tonight. And I only watched it last night. Um, it, it's, it's a fun movie, isn't it? Fuck man, it's 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 great. It, it's fucking great. We'll we'll talk more next week. But yeah, um, yeah. I assume we're doing John Wick next week. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, of course. Okay, cool. Um, so. Um, I watched a couple other things. Obviously, I've been on holiday, so it has been a, a, a bit hard to watch stuff. But um, I saw Jackie. Oh, yeah. What's, what's, what's that like? Because I've been thoroughly underwhelmed by all of the <laughs> promotional bits. Yeah, so this is um, Natalie Portman's best um, actress at the Oscars nominated turn as uh, Jackie Kennedy, uh, the film directed by Pablo Lorraine, who I believe I've only seen one other film of, uh, The Club. Which was the uh, paedophiles, uh, uh, paedophile priests, kind of all together. Oh, class it was, yeah. Film that I, I talked about a while back, which I wasn't that big on. Uh, I, I like Jackie more than that, um, it, even though it is largely because of Natalie Portman. Who, it's one of those ones where you do kind of forget that it's Natalie Portman, and you just think, yeah, that's that's that person. Not necessarily yeah. that's Jackie Kennedy because I don't have enough like grounding in what Jackie Kennedy was like, but like that feels like yes, that is that character. She's very, very good in it, and it's this the really conflicted uh, portrayal of this woman who like f- ha- was connected to one of the most important people in the world, and then suddenly finds herself being disconnected <laughs> from that that kind of like power seat very quickly. And she's trying to preserve her husband's memory, but also try and, and, and kind of, like, make her mark and show that she's not entirely, like, um, her life is not dictated by the death of her husband. Um, and it, it's, um, it, it, she's, she's very powerful in it. I mean, you've got John Hurt in one of his last performances as well. Uh, very good as this uh, as as a priest who she confesses to um, Peter Sarsgaard or Ian Beale. You decide as Bobby <laughs> Kennedy. Um, it, it's uh, he's he's very good. Uh, uh, Michael Levy, who did the score for Under the Skin, does the score for this as well. Very interesting score. Um, like uh, Pablo Lorraine uses a mix of like stocks of footage, so some of it almost looks like Zapruder film type stuff going on, um, which is uh, it's an interesting way of, of going. I mean, it feels it feels very lived in. Um, it, it it almost feels like it could have been of, of the time. It could have been made in the sixties in some in some respects. Even though the the score maybe knocks it's fairly avant-garde but a portman i mean a lot of it is centered around when she did this um uh, a tv special which showed people around the white house which i think was like the first time that american audiences got a glimpse inside the white house and you've got her 
kind of smiling for the character uh, for the camera and and her kind of diction and body language changing for the camera and she plays a woman playing for the camera really well but but it, it, it's like the kind of like the obvious difference but then it feels obvious not just because it's a woman acting because but because it's a woman acting that she's acting in a different way from how the character that she's actually playing would normally act uh it, it's it's very nuanced in that way and um yeah uh it it i thought it was really interesting would i watch it again probably not um it, it is rather dry um i review i read rid of it and i don't want to review read reviews of movies that um that i haven't seen yet new movies like this um but because i'm just it, it, none of the look of it or anything like that has made me want to kind of watch it. I will watch it, but um, it, it said that it's one of those films where the performance and the story deserves a much better film than is around this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I mean, the, the thing is, the filmmaking is really interesting, and she is great, but. It's, I, I, I mean, it's, it's all her. Mm. Whereas the, because there's a, there's a, am I right in thinking Rob Reiner's doing a, doing a uh, story of LBJ and his, yes, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. is it later on this year? Um, is it Woody Harrelson? Woody Harrelson's playing LBJ, yeah, I think, yeah, 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 yeah as yeah. well. And that, it's got a very, a very good cast in that, I think. Um, so that's telling like a, a different side of the story, and you know that could be quite interesting as well. That, that seems to have gone yeah. for a more um, a less avant-garde, like you were saying, uh, viewpoint. Yeah, because I mean, um, you've got uh, John Carroll Lynch playing LBJ in this, but he, he doesn't really get anything to do, um, and it—that's it, I mean, the thing. I mean, it's a very intimate portrait of her, um, and I'll, I'll be honest. You know how much I love La La Land. Mm. I, considering the Oscars, Emma Stone is the front runner, mm. but you've got Natalie Portman nominated as well. I would be all right with Natalie Portman winning it over her. She's not going to, but if Natalie Portman had not won the Oscar for Black Swan, I think it'd be more of a contest. Yeah, there is that. I, I would definitely say that. So, yeah, um, Jackie, I think it's well worth a watch. It's a solid four out of five. And it's only like 90 minutes, isn't it? Yeah, it's like 95 minutes. It's a solid 4 out of 5. It's nowhere near a 5 out of 5. Yeah. That 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 would be me on that. Um, okay, uh, I watched... Uh, I've got two others. Is that all right? Yeah, it's fine. Cool. Uh, the Beatles, 8 Days a Week, The Touring. Oh, yeah. I've been looking forward to this. It's on Amazon Prime. Amazon right? Prime, yeah. I watched, it on the, I watched it on the plane on Tuesday. Um, it's very good. That seems like a very good plane movie. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so it kind of is what it says on the tin, really. It's uh, the Beatles during the touring years. Um, so uh, basically the Beatles toured up to a certain point. Um, I, I think... Uh, they played their last but one gig before Sergeant Peppers, um, and then they they played a like a rooftop gig on on top of their um, like uh, record labels building, um, and uh, like years later, and that was it. Yeah. Um, 
So it's it doesn't really deal with the formation of the Beatles. It's kind of like they're they're pretty much there and they're signed and they release their first album and it it, it goes from there. Um, I mean, it's it's very glossy. It's directed by Ron Howard. Um, it you know it's got talking heads like Whoopi Goldberg and Sigourney Weaver. Um, even though apparently I, I I listened to an interview with uh, Ron Howard on um, Kermode de Mayo um, when when this came out, and you know because you're thinking like Whoopi Goldberg, that's a bit random. Apparently Howard was just like at something with Whoopi Goldberg, and he mentioned he was doing a Beatles documentary, and, and she was like. Well, I saw the Beatles like back in the day. It was like, mm. do you want to film something? Oh yeah, no, sure. So it kind of goes on from there. You know, it's interesting because um, she's talking about how, you know, they're very white guys, and but how the Beatles really knocked down the doors of segregation. You know, they 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 said basically they got to a point where they said, if we're going to play your your venue you're not going to have segregation mm. um, and, 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 and things like that. So, which was, which was huge. Um, and, and so, you know, you got Goldberg kind of giving her take on that. And um, Scorny Weaver was at the show at the Hollywood bowl, I think. So you've got her interviewed as well. The, 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 but the thing is, it, it all feels very um, agreed upon by yeah. the, the living participants, you know, um, there's not, there's no dirt under the fingernails here. It feels like a Hollywood version of a Beatles documentary. Yeah, um, we're, we're not going to talk about we're, we're going to talk about everything, but we're not going to talk about the fact that um, <laughs> that John Lennon was a bit of a prick and things like that. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Yeah, I mean the the most con- controversial it gets is the we're bigger the bigger than Jesus and that they were stoned for most of the filming of Help. Mm. You know that that's kind of about it, and the the, it, the thing is, the narrative structure is not really that interesting, and I think it's kind of inflected by that. It's they rise and rise, and it's crazy, and they're really enjoying it, but then the media start going against them, and the fans get a bit too intense, and then you know that starts taking its toll, and then creatively they're not feeling that into it, and uh, you know, but then they they decide they're just going to concentrate on the music, and then they they bring out all the other music that they brought out. So, you know, it's a decent hour and forty minutes, but it does like I'm a pretty lightweight Beatles fan, and even I didn't feel like I got a lot out of this. A Beatles fan will get nothing out of this. Yeah. So there you go. But yeah, I mean, shit. It was on Amazon Prime. I mean, fair play to Amazon as well. Like, this fucker only came out in, like, October, November, yeah. I think it was. And it's already on Amazon. So it was like, well, yes, I will watch this. Um, but, yeah, good airplane film. Um, like you say. Final one for me this week, Live By Night. Um, so uh, this is Ben Affleck's one for me, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so uh, made fuck all money, uh, based on a novel by Dennis Lehane, um, from which he'd already um, uh, made Gone Baby Gone, uh, from whom I should say. Uh, so this is uh, Ben Affleck is a, uh, a a kind of a bad guy who doesn't want to be a bad guy who gets fucked over by his boss, even though he was fucking his boss's missus, and uh, becomes a uh, kind of like a rum 
empresario in Florida in the, during Prohibition. Um, and then he starts a relationship with Zoe Saldana, and then he seems to single-handedly uh, spearhead the civil rights movement, basically, by shooting a bunch of people. Um, and then L. Fanning's in it. And, yeah. And then, Does she play the typical L. Fanning character? What's that? Go on, describe it to me. Looking a little bit awkward and a little bit like she's not quite supposed to be there and she's a little bit wise beyond her years, uh, but everybody thinks she's stunning and beautiful and she sort of uses that, which don't really do well. Well, um, she starts off going to Hollywood. Um, her yeah. dad's Chris Cooper, is like the local police chief. Um, ben Affleck blackmails Chris Cooper um, by basically showing him photos of her being addicted to drugs because she never got to Hollywood. Um, and then she comes back and then becomes a preacher against Ben Affleck. Spoiler alert. Realises that she's not very happy about the whole preacher thing and kills herself. See, that's a bit more range. She, I don't know, I think I'll find a very good actress, but she does seem to have a lot of the same kind of characters. I agree with that. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, I was really disappointed by this. Um, I mean, even after the um, like the the, the, the reviews and, um, the, you know, it basically tanked. And the thing is, I feel really sorry for Ben Affleck because last year it was basically him having to promote Batman versus Superman then realised that nobody liked it, but then he had to do Justice League anyway. Um, yeah. You know, and obviously the, the, the news over the last couple of weeks that he's not as involved in the Batman as he was going to be, and now it looks like Matt Reeves is going to do it, who is a safe pair of hands. Yeah. Um, but then, even... The thing is, the one for them that is this, it's really, really, really by the numbers... Um, Which is a shame, because his first three directorial movies were very, very good. Yeah, yeah, no, quite. I mean, that this this is the thing, whereas this is... Eh. Um, you know, I mean, he casts himself as the bad guy who doesn't want to do bad things and feels bad about it, but he's going to do them anyway, and... Uh, yeah, really? Alright, then fine. I read one, one review after watching it where it was just like, notice how everyone that he has around him is not as good looking as him. Totally. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and you could guess every single plot beat that happens in it. Every single fucking thing is something you could probably figure out was going to happen. Um, you know, it's two hours, eight minutes long. Apparently, Affleck cut an hour out of it. Maybe okay. that maybe that would have helped things. Maybe it would have put a bit more flesh on the bones. But as it is, this is very I in one out eye in one ear uh, eye out the other. You know, uh, very intensely uh, uh, forgettable. You know, looks it's really a bit of a letdown. Nice. That yeah. It, it looks really nice. Robert Richardson did the cinematography. And he's a great cinematographer. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, the production design is amazing. Um, it just it looks like what you'd imagine Prohibition era Florida to be. I mean, it's stunning. Um, and there's oh god, there's one, there's one guy. Um, I don't know the name of the actor, but he's he's essentially he's a clansman, 
who's got a kind of a, a weird squeaky voice and he's a bit of a fawn in Affleck's side for about 20 minutes and he is great. Um, but, I, I, yeah. I don't, and Chris Cooper is kind of Chris Cooper-y. Um, I think Chris Messina is, the, is Affleck's like best friend in it. He's all right. Affleck's fine. Um, what, what, what is quite interesting about Affleck as a, as a director is this is his fourth movie, isn't it? So, the director. Gone Baby Gone, Gone, Baby Gone Argo, The Town. The Town, of course, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. He's used four different cinematographers. Hmm. That's I mean, you know, it's not, it's not a problem because, you know, you, you have certain, certain directors always work with certain cinematographers or largely work with certain cinematographers and some, you know, will bounce around cinematographers. Uh, but you'd think that he'd have, you know, he'd have one, but it's been for, you know, not massively different, but different enough cinematographers. It's quite a strange thing for him to to do that. Yeah, no, quite. Yeah, they usually um, kind of try and stick with the one unless there's like scheduling conflicts, but then for four of them to have scheduling conflicts, I suppose, is a bit of a really. Um, but yeah, no, it, it just, you don't need to rush to it in the slightest. Ah, one of those, yeah. So there yeah. you go. Yeah, I was, I, I was. The, I was the guy who played the, yeah. the guy who played the Klansman guy is Matthew Mayer, I think, isn't it? Sure. Uh, who was the child molester in? Um, yeah, it was the child molester in Gone Baby Gone. Yeah, if, if to be fair, bless this guy, child molester, cinematically, yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. That sounds awful, but in Live By Night, he's either a clansman or a child, or a child molester. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. Um, he's, I, I think he's also a good mate of, of Affleck's. Sure, yeah, no, fair enough. I, it's, um, don't rush to it, bud. Don't rush to it. I won't, I won't now. <laughs> right, tell me about the autopsy of Jane Doe. Do you want me to say that first or do you want me to talk about my other ones first? I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the other ones first. Go on then. Uh, I watched uh, Arrival, rewatched Arrival, still think it's very, very good. I actually preferred it on the second watch. Uh, you can pick up a lot more uh, in it, uh, Arrival on the second watch. Um, so yeah, I definitely appreciate it more on the second watch. Um, also rewatched Nocturnal Animals. Again, the same. Uh, it got a lot better on the second watch and I thought it was pretty fucking fantastic on the first watch. Um, so yeah, magnificent. Um, it, it watched them over two nights, uh, and it, it's staggering that Amy Adams is in both of them. Agreed. Uh, what else did I watch? Uh, I watched The Edge of Seventeen. Oh, how is this? How is this? I'm I'm intrigued. <sighs> right, it's a peculiar one. The Edge of Seventeen. Um, so. It's um, directed by Kelly uh, Freeman Craig, uh, produced by James L. Brooks. Um, so it's quite strange to see the Gracie Films uh, logo come up before it, the one that you used to see at the end of every Simpsons episode. Oh, uh, and it comes up against the fucking film, it kind of made me go, what the fuck? <laughs> um, starring uh, Hayley Steinfeld, Will Harrelson, Kira Sedgwick, uh, and Blake uh, Jenner, the um, lead from uh, Everybody Wants Some. Uh, in it. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so him and uh, Hilly Stanfield are twins. Um, and they're growing up. He's 
pretty much great at everything. He's assessed everything, really popular. Uh, and mummy's his mummy's blind mummy's favourite and everything like that. Whereas she's not. She's quite awkward. Uh, she was a character uh, called, I'm trying to remember her name now, uh, Nadine. Um, she's quite awkward and a little bit reserved within herself and can't quite can't quite find herself where she fits into everything. Uh, but she's a really strong relationship with her father. Uh, then she sees her father uh, have a heart attack in front of her and dies. Um, and it fast forwards to just before she's 17. So it's like four years later, five years later four or five years later. Uh, and she's still not found a place for herself. Um, she's only got one friend uh, in, in the world that she she got when she was younger, but that's the only friend, friendship she managed to sort of cultivate and have throughout her life. Um, her brother is still the, you know, most popular kid at school and everything's right. Uh, Kira said her mum essentially has kind of fallen apart since... Um, um, her father died, uh, but not like in a. She's an alcoholic, or she's a, what is it? She's you know maintaining her job. She's fine. It's just emotionally, she's fucking crippled uh, by the whole thing. Um, and yeah, it's it's kind of that, and it's about her kind of trying to find her place in life and find a way through when she loses her best friend because her best friend ends up drunkenly sleeping with her brother. And then they start having a relationship and she's angry about that. Um, and she confesses and confides all of this to uh, Woody Harrelson, her teacher, uh, who doesn't fucking give a shit, doesn't want her to do this. And he's just a bit of a dick to her, but in a quite a nice and sweet way. Now, it's for a start off, it is about, 100, about an hour and 45 minutes long, which could possibly be a little bit too long for it. Right. It's... It's also achingly trying to be a little bit more serious than it actually is, but also trying to be a little bit too cool with it as well. Um, and it's like somebody remembering their teenage years and then 10, 15 years later putting themselves in a teenager now. And it doesn't quite work like that because the dynamics of these things change over 10 years. And that's what it feels a little bit like. Um and it's also let down by the fact that the lead character, Nadine, Hilly Stan feels very good in it, but the character is actually quite unlikable. She's a bit of a dick, and you can see why people don't like her and why she's not popular, because she's a dick. She's self-obsessed, and her self-obsession is misery. She's obsessed with how miserable she is and how miserable everyone makes her and how she doesn't fit in. And so it ticks along at that and you're kind of going, you kind of fucking deserve everything that's going on. You know, these people aren't the arseholes that are oppressing you. You're the arsehole in all of this. Uh, quickly, you are recording because my recorder just finished for an hour and 40 minutes. Yep. Yes, cool. So, yeah, so it, th- there is that. It is that she's the dickhead in all of this. And her brother doesn't lead the perfect life that she seems to bestow upon him, etc. and things like that. Um, so there's all that going on. But then it kind of does pull it back at the end where um, there's a kind of altercation between her and her brother where it, it, it flicks a little bit on and you realise that she's not just self-obsessed. She has a serious problem in the fact that this isn't somebody who just constantly feels sorry for herself. This is somebody who actually has severe a severe mental issue of the fact that she fucking can't stand herself. 
she doesn't like herself. Everybody in the world that she thinks dislikes her. The only problem with it all is, is she dislikes herself more than all of these people dislike her, which kind of gives brings it back round and gives it more of a, do you know what? It's not just somebody thinking it's the world is against them. It's somebody who just doesn't like themselves and the world they're in, but is trying to fucking get on with all of these hormones and everything like that. And so it kind of starts to pull itself back around. So for the first hour, hour and a bit, you go in, fuck you, you deserve all this. And then for like 30 minutes, you go in, Jesus, you know, maybe she could fucking deal with this a little bit better and catch a fucking break. Don't do that. Don't, oh, God, that's not gone very well, has it? And then for the last 10 minutes, you go in, I kind of feel sorry for her now. Yeah. And it kind of works like that. It, it, it's well worth a watch, but it'll piss you off for the first 45 minutes. Okay. To no end, because she's just a dick. Uh, so it's worth a watch, but it, it wasn't as good as I was hoping it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Whereas the autopsy of Jane Doe, uh, directed by Andre Arvidel, uh who directed the Troll Hunter, fucking uh, do this. Yeah, stars Emil Hirsch and Brian Cox uh, as father and son coroners. Um, who um, Emil Hirsch is kind of he's working with his dad. Uh, he's also got a girlfriend played by Ophelia Lovebond, who is hardly in it at all. Um, he's mostly just Brian Cox and Emil Hirsch. Um, he's saying to Ophelia Lovebond that he's, you know, that he doesn't want to be doing this, and he, he wants to, you know, he wants to move away from it all, all in one short little scene. He gets all that across, but it kind of makes sense. But you've already seen him doing his thing, a little bit of the coroner thing with his dad, but you get the feeling that. He's not lying to his dad about not wanting to do this. He's lying to her about not wanting to do it. Because when he's with his dad doing this, he seems to be having a fucking blast. And he's like, he seems to enjoy the fact that he's working his dad and his dad's very good at this. And he's watching his dad be fucking really good at what he does. And it all works like that. And it's kind of cool. It's nice like that. So they've just finished doing an autopsy. He's about to leave, about to go on a date with his his girlfriend. But the, um, the town sheriff is bringing a body in for them. Uh, to to do an autopsy on, and he kind of says, "Look, I need to go and help my dad on this because this is strange that the sheriff has brought this girl in now. And it didn't, didn't it look weird." So agrees that he'll go off, he'll do this, then I'll give her a call and they'll, they'll go out. Goes down and the, the sheriff says, "Look, we found this girl uh, buried in a basement at this weird murder scene we went to, and we can't place her there. We can't work out why she's there, how she got there. We need an autopsy now. We need a cause of death." now tonight so Emil Hirsch and Brian Cox get to working on doing the autopsy of this woman who as they go further and further seems to look on the outside like nothing's happened to her at all but has all of these injuries and I'm not going to go into too much detail because I, people should watch this movie is the reason why so I'm going to basically stop there she's got all of these injuries that don't marry up with the external injuries she's got and then things start to get fucking weird. Um, it's fantastic. It genuinely is one of the best modern horrors I've seen in a long, long, long time. Yeah, uh, this tonight, man. The um, the the scene before it starts getting weird, just of Emil Hirsch and Brian Cox starting the autopsy and doing the autopsy as a regular autopsy before things start getting 
oh, and it's just, well, this is a bit strange, isn't it? And this is a bit strange. It's fantastic. It's incredibly fascinating and tense and magnificently played between Emil Hirsch and Brian Koch, who are both brilliant actors. You know, that helps. That helps elevate the film, the fact that the two leads who are mostly in it are both very strong actors. But then when things do get weird, it's there's a lot of tension to it. It, it. it kicks on at a fucking hell of a pace. It's only like 85 minutes long, I think. Um, it looks fantastic. Um, nobody does something where you go, well, that was stupid. It, it all works perfectly well. There's no overblown moments in it where it goes too big. It all fits together nicely. It doesn't go the places you're expecting it to go. Um, the actual story of how it actually becomes is is very, very good and makes perfect sense. It's, it's, it's a really, really impressive flick. Absolutely. Uh, what I would say is, if this gets any kind of cinema release in the uh, UK, like if it crops up that it's going to be on a city screen on like a fucking Tuesday night as part of like their um, culture shot they do or anything like that, I'd love to see this on the big screen mm, mm-hmm. because it's so tense that scene and it's so fascinating and there's so much of it. But yeah, an absolute. If you're listening to this podcast, this is an absolute. Thorough recommend because you will fucking get on. People will really dig this. I think I was I was quite blown away by it. I thought it was it, it's, it's a very impressive movie. Ace, that sounds brilliant. Yeah, it is. I'll be I'll, I will be staggered if you don't really fucking enjoy this. I'll tell you next week. Yes, I'll uh, tell you before then. But yeah, but that's 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 it for me for this this week. What I've watched. Um, so. I don't think we've got any questions. Fuckers. Uh, we have a double check on that. We didn't last time I checked, but I haven't checked for a little bit because I've been at work. Uh, no, we don't. No, we don't. No, no questions. Um, so, yeah, so no questions there. Uh, Ian, what are we covering next week? We've already told people, haven't we? Yes, buddy. Um, John Wick 2. Very much yeah, involved this one. Fucking pumped. Pumped. Yes. Yeah. I am as, as well. I was going to rewatch the, the, the first one, but I only watched like about two, three months ago, so I don't think I need to rewatch it again. But I might anyway, depending on which night I go to watch it. Because I might go and watch it tomorrow night, I might go and watch it Tuesday night, or I might go and watch it Friday. <laughs> Who knows? Got choices. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go see the Great Wall next week as well. Yeah, uh, I'm not probably. Yeah, I might enough. actually. Then, then, again, then again, depending on when I see uh, John Wick, I might even go and watch The Great Wall as well, even though that movie looks like shit. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm fascinated. Yeah, it, by yeah that. It, it's, it, it's got you a little, and it? it's got you interested. I'm you fucking fascinated. It. It, it could well be terrible. It really, really could be shocking. But I need to see that what that film. Good. I'm, I'm glad that you, that you are because you, you've been pumped for it since the start. But you can't. You don't have to be able to put your finger on why. Matt Damon versus Dragons, man. Like directed by Zhang Yimou. Like fine. Yeah. Why not? It's it, it, it's it's already made a shitload of money. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, it has. Um, it's weird as well. There's there is there is a, an HD version available online, and a guy in work watched it months ago and like he was just like 
Ian, have you seen that new Matt Damon film yet? And this was like October, November. So I was like, what, which one? Which one? And he was like, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, what was it about? There were some dragons in it. And I was like, I was thinking in the back of my head, like, is he talking about the Great Wall? Or is he is he just talking about like a Matt Damon film with dragons that I don't remember? Not dragon, one monsters. And it was like, was this set in China? And he was like, yeah, I think so. And he was like, well, it's the Great Wall of China, so either it was set in China or you know, it's probably. I was like, was was it about? Was it called the Great Wall? He was like, yeah, that was it. And I was thinking of saying to him like, how did you not know it was in China? <laughs> But, I, yeah, no, there, there, there's been, a like, a, a, a torrent version of this knocking around for fucking yonks. And random guy in work saw it. You know, I, it just... Fair it, enough. He enjoyed it as well? He had a good time with it. Yeah, he said it was a laugh. Like, he, he said he didn't understand what was going on in some bits of it. But, like, he had, he had fun with it. So, yeah, sure. Fair enough. I want to see it. I, I, I'll be honest, I torrent stuff, but I actually want to see this on a big screen in good quality. Like, Zhang Yimou, I want to see his shit on, on as good a canvas as humanly possible. So, you know, hey. Fair play to you, but yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, so, yes, we're to cover. So, uh, yeah, that was episode uh, 196 of uh, Dude Monkey. We hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, and I know I enjoyed recording it, so yeah. Um, so we shall speak to you next week when we uh, get the wickening. Um, uh, so yeah, thank you very much for listening, guys. Uh, over and out. Goodbye. Bye.